15 years ago, the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls was started right here in Portland, Oregon. Today, there are over 50 rock camps all over the country and the world. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Today, we're celebrating the Portland Rock Camp in advance of its annual fundraiser, the Leading Ladies in Music Awards. It's all coming up on the future of what? You're listening to The Future of What. We're talking to Christy Balzer. Christy, welcome to The Future of What. Thanks, Portia. It's good to be here. It's so nice to see you. Thanks. It's good to see you, too. So anyway, today we're talking about Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, and the Portland Rock Camp is the original rock camp. It was started 15 years ago, so this is the 15-year anniversary as well as just being another fabulous year for rock camp. Yeah, that's true. So can you give us the quick and dirty background of Rock Camp? (laughs) Sure. Rock Camp started in 2001. It started as a PSU student capstone project. Misty McElroy is the founder of the organization. And she did a one-week Rock Camp session for the first time back then. And everyone loved it and attached to it. And it created a whole community and launched an organization that is now worldwide. There's over 50 camps across the country and as far away as places as Japan and Bahrain. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So what happens during Rock Camp? So at Rock Camp, which is a one-week summer camp for girls ages 8 to 17, our campers learn to play an instrument, a rock-based instrument, so guitar, bass, drums, keys, vocals. They form a band with essentially strangers at the beginning of the week. That band learns how to write a song. They write an original song and then perform live at the end of the week at the Alberta Rose Theater. Wow. Yeah, it's an amazing process to watch. Yeah. And so during the day at Rock Camp, I mean, Rock Camp is essentially a day camp. It is. It's a long day. The campers roll in at eight o'clock in the morning and they don't leave until five o'clock in the afternoon. So a lot of that time is spent practicing their instruments, practicing with their band. But some of the time is also spent on workshops. So we provide a variety of workshops for the campers, everything from bedazzling this last summer to (laughs) stage presence, songwriting and self-defense. Wow, that's awesome. And then at lunchtime, they get to see a band play, right? Yeah, we really stress women in music, obviously. And so having a lunchtime show that is performed by a local all-female band is really important to us. It really emphasizes and helps the campers see that, yeah, you really can, as a girl, as a woman, go out into the world and make your own music. Right, absolutely. And so it's largely a volunteer-run organization. You are the executive director, and you've got two people who work with you on staff, or three now. Yeah, we are really fortunate, actually. I have two amazing program managers, and we now have a volunteer coordinator who started this year that is really helping us out to not only manage things much better, but also be able to plan things for the future that we weren't able to plan before. So having that staff on board, I just came from a staff meeting, so... (laughs) (laughs) You're full of staff ideas. I am. (laughs) But other than you 
four, everything is run by volunteers. Oh, yeah. The vast majority of the folks that are involved with Rock and Roll Camp for Girls are volunteers. Everyone from band managers to people who help load in and out the gear all week long, have people that help us in the kitchen, folks that come in and do workshops, our intern. We have an intern program for campers who are 15 years to 17 years, and they help out with all the bands. And so all summer long, there's way more volunteers running around than there are staff. We have probably, I would say, 45 to 60 volunteers on the roster currently. Wow. And this week, Rock Camp was able to have four sessions, right? We had four Rock Camp sessions Yeah, this, this summer we held four weeks of camp. That's the first time we've done that. And it really, it went really well. It was very successful. All four weeks were full. We can accommodate about 62 campers each session, which is a lot of little girls running around. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really well organized and they're busy all day long. So they, truthfully, they don't even notice how long the day is, which is great. And it's fun to watch because now that the program has been around 15 years. There are women here in Portland who have started as campers, gone through the intern program, become volunteers, and now are like adult working musicians and women working in the music industry. It's a very cool thing to be able to see that. Yeah, it is. In fact, one of our very own board members, you've just described her life to a T. She started out as a camper and has basically grown up in rock camp and is today on the board. So it's really a wonderful thing to watch people evolve in that way and be able to generate that kind of community. There's a large rock camp community here in Portland and you really feel that love every time we either have summer camp or we have a fundraising event or you know we just do something fun like the arm wrestling tournament it's amazing the people that come out and are so supportive we're so grateful for all of our community so you guys do a leading ladies event every year that's your big annual fundraiser and that's coming up November 4th right and one of the people who's being honored this year is actually someone who is like that, who was a camper and came up through the program, right? Fabi Reyna. Correct. Yeah. Fabi started as a camper. She's volunteered for camp. And now she runs her own music-based magazine, She Shreds. And so we're honoring Fabi this year with the Legends Award at our Leading Ladies in Music event, which is a new award for us, which is something we look forward to doing annually at this event. But it essentially is honoring someone who really is part of that rock camp community and has stayed local and continued to support our organization as they've evolved out of it and gone on to do their own, make their own magic out in the world. Right. And the other honoree this year, the leading lady is Jenny Conley from the Decemberists. Right. So that's really exciting to have her as well. It is. It's really exciting to have Jenny. You know, she has been a big part of the music industry and has really, you know, broken down a lot of barriers for women in rock and roll, not to mention been an inspiration for a lot of women. So it's really great to have her with us. And I know she's really excited to come to the event. I'm excited to hear her talk and I think she's going to grace us with a little bit of music while she's there. Ooh, fantastic. So now you are fairly new to the organization. You were hired and started this year, early this year, correct? Yeah, I haven't even been with camp a year yet. Wow, you've done so much for not (laughs) having been with camps. That's incredible. And what's going on at camp right now in terms of your new initiatives or things that you guys are looking to do this year and then into the future? Yeah, so we are really looking forward at Rock Camp. We're in a place right now where we are really ready to sort of 
grow into the organization that I think we were always meant to be and really live up to that honor of being the original rock camp. Cool. Yeah. We're also looking forward to another ladies rock camp, which happens the weekend after the leading ladies in music awards. And if you haven't ever been to ladies rock camp, it is an intense super fun weekend for women to come and essentially do everything that the summer campers do condensed into two and a half days. So all of that learning an instrument, writing a song, performing live, it all happens in a Friday to Sunday. And that is a fundraiser for tuition assistance for summer camp. And how many kids do you get to help with tuition assistance in the summertime? Great question. So about half our campers receive some form of tuition assistance, and a portion of our campers receive full scholarships to rock camp. So one of the things we strongly believe in is not turning away any girl for lack of funds. So any girl that presents a need will be supported and be able to come to rock camp. It's really important to us. That's awesome. Yeah. And rock camp is pretty much donation supported. It is almost entirely donation supported. Yeah, we do have these fundraising events like Leading Ladies, but we really rely on our donor base, our sustaining circle of community members who support Rock Camp on a monthly basis. If you want to become a supporter, you can do that on our website as well at girlsrockcamp.org. So there's a very exciting thing happening for Rock Camp called Mobile Rock Camp. Yeah. That is an initiative that's in the works. So tell us about that. Yeah. So we have been very fortunate to receive a donation through one of our Passboard members' family. They've given us a motorhome. And we are going to transform that motorhome into a mobile rock camp, essentially bringing back a program called Girls Rock Institute. But rather than having the kids come to us after school, we're going to bring the after school program to them. Wow. With the motorhome all fitted with all the gear for a camp session, essentially, we will be able to go out into areas of Portland and Oregon that have not been able to participate in rock and roll camp for girls. So we expect to, you know, go farther out into the east part of Multnomah County out to Gresham, out to Troutdale, down to Canby, out to the coast, and be able to bring this transformative opportunity to girls who never would be able to make it all the way into the city to be able to participate in the summer camp program. So we're going to outfit that motorhome and then get that program out there. We're hoping to find some funding so that, you know, we don't have to burden the schools with the cost of the program because schools are so limited in their budgets. That's a big reason why a lot of the schools have eliminated their music program. So Mm this will be a great way for schools to bring music back. And I know that you guys are looking also for a forever home. We are. We're sort of wayward souls at the moment. (laughs) We used to have a forever home a year or so ago, and things changed in that venue. And so we are sort of looking for a a place to put down roots. I mean, Rock Camp will run regardless. We'll find a way to make it happen no matter what. But to be able to have a place of our own would mean the expansion of programming, an ability to create sort of a youth music hub in the city that I think could really have a significant impact on the availability of music programs for young people and particularly for girls, of course, in Portland, and also just give us an opportunity to settle in and really grow. We've talked on this show before about the lack of all ages venues in Portland and how important that is for every aspect of people developing the music careers or just, you know, their own personal sense of, you know, empowerment. 
And that seems like it might be a really cool thing if if Rockham can find a forever home, if there was a synergy between that and like an all ages venue space. Absolutely. Being able to offer something like that in this area would be critical. We ideally would have a space that could have a venue in it so that not only our campers could perform there, but as you say, other musicians could perform there, be able to expose lots of different genres of music to youth in the city. I think having a safe venue for kids is always a great thing to have. And it's something that's necessary to grow musicians in Portland. So I've heard, you know, I mean, nobody has actually said this, but but it has come up the idea that like, why rock for girls as opposed to, you know, it's like, why isn't it like classical music (laughs) for girls? (laughs) That's a good question. I think that some of those other music genres historically have been maybe easier to enter for girls and women. But more importantly, I think that there's a power behind rock music, particularly punk rock music, which is really, you know, the roots of this organization really are deep set in the punk music scene. And there's a power there that other music genres don't have. And I think that really appeals to us because a lot of the time women don't have that sense of power and it's a way to feel in control that maybe in a lot of your other parts of your life you don't feel. Absolutely. I would totally agree. I know that making noise, making loud noise is something that, you know, women are often discouraged from doing. Absolutely. And so to just be in a situation where you're like, yeah, you have to make as much noise. You get to make as much noise as you want. <laughs> I mean, that was the when I started playing drums, I was 21 years old. I somehow managed to go all the way to 21 without picking up drumsticks. And then the second I did it, I was like, oh, yeah. This I will do forever. Yeah. Imagine if you had had that experience at the age of eight. Exactly. And been able to be encouraged at that young of an age to make noise and to be given the power to use your own voice to express yourself and to be told that not only is it okay and that you should be doing it, but have a whole community of other women around you supporting you in that endeavor. It's life-changing and it's world-changing. Mm-hmm. It is. And I mean, you can see it even today in Portland. I mean, I grew up 30 years ago when I was a teenager. There were no other women playing in bands. And now... There's tons of women in bands. It's fantastic. Here yeah. in Portland, it's 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 a wonderful thing. I like to think that Rock and Roll Camp for Girls had an impact on that. I would agree. <laughs> Christy Balzer is the executive director of Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us, Portia.
That was Axeman by Heavens to Betsy. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on iTunes. To find out what's coming up next, follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW. You're listening to The Future of What? Corin Tucker is a musician and a former leading lady honoree. Corin, welcome to The Future of What? Thanks so much for having me. Yay, I'm so glad to have you. So on today's episode, we are talking about the awesome rock and roll camp for girls here in Portland, the original rock camp. And every year they have a fundraiser called Leading Ladies, and you have been a leading lady in the past. And I wanted to talk to you about that and what it means to you and and rock camp in general. Yeah, I was really honored to be a leading lady. It's really nice to be recognized (laughs) and to have like a little ceremony and to get a trophy. I mean, it was, it was just really sweet. And it's, you know, the Rock Camp is such a great organization. It's something that I'm so happy to be a part of that it was just a really nice event to be a part of. When did you first hear about Rock Camp? I first heard about Rock Camp, I think it was like 2001. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, originally when it was started, it was, you know, an idea of like, this is what we could do. We want to have this summer camp for girls. It's a rock and roll camp. And, you know, actually, Carrie Brownstein and I had visited one in Australia years ago. Hmm. Wow. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a thing. I did. I don't think there had been one in the U.S. prior to the one in Portland. But, you know, it was definitely a really cool idea and took a lot of work to get it off the ground in Portland. Definitely. Yeah, it was. And I think that was the year that it started, 2001, because this is the 15-year anniversary this year. And it started as a project of a PSU student. She was doing it for her thesis project. And it's just taken off so amazingly all over the world because it's such a great idea, you know, to just empower girls through rock, you know, and you know, little girls learning that it's okay to make a ton of noise. And I feel like for me, that was the idea that really resonated when I first heard about the camp because I was 21 years old before I picked up drumsticks. And I think that's tragic. I remember the first Slater Kinney record I ever heard and I was just like so blown away because I was like, whoa, you can make that noise as a female? <laughs> like, that's a big deal. You know, it's it's a big deal to little girls to be able to know that they can do that. Absolutely. And I think that in the early days of the camp, I would sometimes volunteer and get to see young girls actually making that kind of noise and trying all these different roles on, you know, on different instruments, you know, learning to play the drums, learning to play guitar, learning to sing and be able to do all these different things. And I think it is really empowering for girls to be able to get to try out all these kinds of, you know, loud personas. I mean, the rock persona is really loud and it's really different than the the kind of personas that were traditionally acceptable for girls to do. And I think that there may be some girls that go on to become musicians or have a career in the music industry, but I think the broader perspective is that girls are being encouraged to take on a bigger persona and to try out all these different ways of finding their voice that they might not do in traditional activities. 
Exactly. And I think that's why it remains rock and roll camp for girls. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm on the board of rock and roll camp for girls. And it's, you know, it's a discussion we do have in the board is, you know, should it be just music camp for girls? Should it be, you know, we want to make sure that everyone feels free to, you know, express themselves using any genre of music, which of course is true. But there is something about rock and roll and that something has to do with amplification, mm-hmm. you know, plugging in a guitar to an amp and being able to say, let's really distort this. Let's make it sound crazy. You know, being able to hit drums really hard. You know, I think there's something about that because obviously, you know, women have have gotten along great for playing the flute for years, <laughs> like right. being being delicate, being, you know, quiet and lovely and technically precise. But there's something really empowering about just making a ton of noise. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I I think it's a great opportunity for girls to do that and to, you know, be messy and make mistakes and, and try all the things. And that that's a really important experience for a young girl to have. So you were a leading lady and obviously your body of work makes you an obvious choice for that. And what's fun about having this Portland Rock Camp be around for 15 years is that we are now starting to be able to honor people who have been through the program and have gone on to do stuff. So this year, one of the honorees is Fabi Reyna, who was a camper for years and who now has started She Shreds magazine. So it's it's like this amazing, we're starting to really see this come full, full circle. Like people are actually doing this for a living, you know, or, or doing something in the music world, which is very exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, Fabi's great. And I think that's just a great choice you know, for the award. And it is really important to see that coming full circle and seeing this next generation of of young women finding their voices and broadening their perspective in the music industry and and in the wider community as well. Well, Corin Tucker, we appreciate you very much. And thanks so much for coming on The Future of What today. Thanks so much for having me.
was Dig Me Out by Slater Kinney. You're listening to The Future of What? If you're enjoying this program, like us on Facebook and become a subscriber on iTunes. The Leading Ladies in Music Awards will be presented on November 4th in Portland. For tickets or to make a donation, visit girlsrockcamp.org. You're listening to The Future of What? We're talking to this year's leading lady, Jenny Conley of the Decemberists. Jenny, welcome to The Future of What? Wow, thanks for having me, Portia. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So I wanted to ask you, how did you first hear about Rock and Roll Camp for Girls? Well, I think it was in the inception, years and years ago, just heard about how cool it was. The, the Decemberists did do a, like, at lunchtime, mm-hmm. like a lunchtime performance, right. which was cool. And at that time, Rachel Blumberg was playing drums with us, right. too. And Rachel then became a teacher at Rock and Roll Camp. Mm-hmm. And my friend Janelle is also one of, what is she? She's on the board. She's oh, on Janelle the board. Isaacson. Janelle and sure. then Connie Wan and other uh-huh. people I know have been really involved. I still rock my Rock and Roll Camp for Girls sticker on the back of my car. <laughs> it's been there for 10, 10 years. I, I love what they do. So I've been asked to teach there, and I haven't. You know, honestly, what that was because I'm I'm such a weird rock and roller because I, I started as a classical musician. Right. And so I just didn't know how I would teach in a week, teach piano mm, right. in a week. I was like, I can't do it. It stresses <laughs> me out. Now I think I could. I think I'm better because now I teach part-time for a living and I think I have a better skill set to be able to do that but right. I was intimidated right sure to be part of it it seems intimidating too it's and that's part of that punk rock ethos of just dive in there and just do it right you know you're just gonna learn something right and we're gonna figure this out and I, I mean I taught drums last year cool at camp and it was really really fun but I had the same it's almost like when you have too much knowledge about an instrument you get really stressed out because you're like well how am I gonna teach them all these things right and how then you realize know how that chord is built exactly if you don't know what the scale is right but really no you can just show them what the <laughs> chord is and be like play that four times right and play this chord four times and then listen how how awesome that sounds exactly and it was the same with drumming it's just like you forget with drumming, it's like your your whole body has to be involved. So you just start somewhere. It's like start, you know, if you, can you hit this and kick this at the same time? You know, can you mm-hmm. do this? And it's so fun to watch young girls just be able to realize that they can start making so much noise. Yeah. You know, they just get this look on their faces like, ah, ah this is fabulous. Yeah. So I know you started as a classical musician. So tell us about how you got into music and how you got into bands. Oh, I definitely just did the classical piano thing. I always wanted to be a musician in other ways. I just didn't know how. In college, I met a man named Caleb Clotter, who was part of the first band I was in, Colobo, and he was sort of my mentor. Was like, okay, you know what a C major chord is? I'm like, yeah. He's like, now this song has C and F in it, so play those two chords. And then slowly I just learned the blues scale and sort of did that, that transference from the page to like, oh, I can actually make something up. Mm-hmm. And that was my first band, was 10 years of that band, wow, which was a great learning experience for me. Lots of improvisation and that kind of thing. Toured a ton, sitting in the van a lot. Uh-huh. Went to Boise a lot. I love <laughs> Boise. Yeah. And then after that, I came, that band sort of broke up and then started working again, teaching music. And then I met Colin from the Decemberists through Nate, our bass player, mm-hmm. and ended up joining that band. Though I wasn't looking for a band at the time. I was <laughs> over it. But then... 
that was really fun. And so here I am again. Yeah. And now it's been, I mean, how long have you been in the Decemberists? Well, this will be our 16th year. Wow. Our first major label release, Crane Wife, is going to be 10 years old this fall. Wow. So isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So Portia, you were part of Kill Rock Stars back when yeah. you were you were our label, which yeah. was fantastic. We yeah. had our picaresque 10 years, like two mm-hmm. years ago. Yep. And we did a reissue. I think we reissued that last year for Record Store Day, Mm -hmm. which was very successful. Yes. So great album. One of my all time faves. Me too. Although I have to say, Castaways and Cutouts, pretty, I'm pretty (laughs) partial to that record. Right. That was a good one. And that was recorded right down here in Southeast Portland, which is now Bunk Bar. Isn't that Um, funny? My friend Simon had that whole studio up in the upper levels of that building and is that where Colin and Chris lived because I know they lived in a big they were in warehouse. town storage okay no no not town storage they were in the Oak Street building which is next to town storage gotcha which I think still has studios in it uh-huh but yeah Chris and Colin did live there yeah, and I so did Carson that. and right. Stiv and all these other folks arty folks yeah it was like a little art collective back in that day mm-hmm. yeah that was really great. So now you got into music from the classical perspective. Did you ever think this would be your job? You know, I had little, I had dreams of being like, oh, I want to be like a world musician, ethnomusicologist. Like I want to be like Peter Gabriel and go to Africa <laughs> and like learn how to play the drums and then come back and record a record. That was sort of what I thought I would be doing. But then the rock and roll world just took me. I just kind of jumped in and I liked it. I liked the social part of it. I liked the musical part of it. I liked to be able to go to an event and be the musician instead of having to be at the event. Like I get to be part of the the fun making. Right. I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I always like to think about how it's the closest you can get to being on a spaceship, being in a band. Like think of Star Trek. They have like the six main characters. They're like on the bridge uh-huh. and they're always hanging out and solving problems and doing stuff uh-huh. together in like different places Ooh. it's like a band right it's yeah. like in the van is your spaceship <laughs> and you have like a captain usually and someone who navigates and yeah. you know all those things and I of course that's my ultimate dream is to be on the Starship Enterprise <laughs> would be my ideal job but yeah the band's the second best yeah wow So because this show, we sort of speak to a lot of young musicians who are starting out and trying to figure out like how to do this for a job. And I think it's hard for people to know the reality Mm. of of the work that you do in a band because it just it's like when you see people on TV, it's like it looks just really glamorous, like you're dressed in, you know, fancy clothes 24-7 and going to fabulous parties (laughs) or whatever, making fabulous videos and the reality is probably not quite as glamorous, I would imagine. That is true, especially <laughs> at the beginning. And I, honestly, I think it might be a little harder these days in mm-hmm. terms of making those shows, like making money at shows, mm-hmm. because you're not selling records. Like the first Decemberist tours, we were getting paid like $200. Sure. But then we would make $400 in merchandise. We would right. sell the record, which you don't do now. So I don't really see how bands... I feel bad for bands. Yeah. I feel like their people are playing for free a lot and they're mm-hmm. it's almost like has to be a hobby unless you I don't know, unless you really get that support from a label or just get a hit, a YouTube hit or something. Right. So there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of sleeping on floors and things that mm-hmm. we did in the past that was hard, a lot of you know, struggles in terms of do we want to do this? Is it worth it? Right. I can't pay my rent. And I'm not into this. Right. But then something happens that's like, oh, 
okay, let's keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. And something else that people, I think, don't always understand is that the more popular you become, and you guys are a really good example because, you know, you did really well on Kill Rockstars, you know, so you did great on an indie label. I think, I can't remember, we sold like 150 or 200,000 of Picaresque. I mean, a lot for an indie label. And you guys were touring in a bus by the time you were, you know, by that time when that album came along. But the the higher you get, the the more you get, and you move to a major label, then you have to get up in the morning and do interviews. You have to do drive time radio. You have to do photo shoots. You have to do there's. It's like there becomes more work. And those labels are harder to navigate. Like I have to say that you and Slim are the nice, awesome people. (laughs) Get to go call us. (laughs) Call you. Get to go hang out. You know, the record label world, as you know, has become this real conglomeration of all like these labels smushed together into one right so capital's been eaten up like four or five times i don't even um don't even know who the president is right now (laughs) so i don't know it's harder to get things done right because there's a lot of channels to go through so there's a lot of work yes the label does require you to do press and some of that's fun some of it's not Mm -hmm. at all and then there is there is pressure. I think Colin feels it more than I do. You know, a lot of pressure for whenever each record comes out to like sure. be this new awesome thing, and we're this person, we're these personalities, and there's more pressure, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So that's part of the part of the job. I think that people don't necessarily think they think it's just going to be easy or fun or or something, and and it's like a job. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. Is like you know you you can love your job, mm-hmm. and there's still parts of your job that you're kind of like, oh God. But <laughs> right, you do have to learn a lot about business, so you don't realize that's a big piece of it yes, too. Yes. Even now with the label and business manager, you still have to keep track of everything. You still have to know how much money you got to pull aside for taxes and how much we need to like sit, keep back for rehearsing and buying merch. And I mean, it's like being a small business owner is what you are. Exactly. So you got to learn about self-employment tax and security and all that crap. And God, it's a hard lesson. Yeah. After like two or three years of touring. Being like, oh, I actually owe a third of my income. And that's a slap in the face. And so you start to learn how to budget and play your quarterlies. And it seems like nerdy. Right. But that's real life stuff that you have to do. I'm so glad you said that because this, of course, is a podcast about the music business. Mm -hmm. Because we're trying to get people to understand that this is a business. Yes, it is. And that you have to understand your business. And the thing is, you don't have to be a super business genius. You can't, you know, you don't have to get an MBA before you can become a musician. But it's really great to just know. You have to have an LLC because you need to have like a bank account, which you need to have an LLC or an S-Corp or whatever for. Mm -hmm. Because now we use those squares. The square (laughs) has to go into the bank account. And people take credit cards. In the old days, we would pay cash at the hotel. Right. That is not cool anymore. Like you have to use a credit card to reserve a hotel or maybe you hotwire, but you can't get a credit card without a bank account. You can't get a business bank account without having a business, like a business, official business, corporate tax ID number. Totally. Yeah. That's so funny. Go on. Yeah. It's just like a trail of events. Like the modern world actually makes it so you have to be more legit. Yes. Than in the past. We were just throwing cash around and well, it's, that was because I was just thinking about, you know, traveling with bands in, in England and just showing up at hotels with these huge bags of cash mm-hmm. and just being like, you know, counting out pounds. <laughs> it's not, it's, you look, you're looked down upon <laughs> that way. You know, I never did, but I knew a friend, musician friend named Jerry Joseph who would go to the airport 
to buy a plane ticket for that day in cash. Whoa. Just because that was the way you did it. Right. And that wasn't, I think you couldn't even, they wouldn't know what to do if you no. did that now. No. God, no. They'd just call the police. They'd be like, where'd you get that money? Right. <laughs> Why are you walking around are with that much dealer? cash? Right. And that's so weird too, because it's like, people don't do that anymore. It's like, I don't think I'd feel comfortable walking around with a big bag of cash like I used to when I was managing bands. Right. You know, and you just have it in the van. Yeah. It's like, you don't want a big bag of cash in the van. No. Yeah, and I'm sure that's not even that thing anymore. Well, the merchandise, definitely you have to deal with cash, mm -hmm. which is kind of a bummer, but it's a good problem to have. Right. I have too much merchandise cash. Mm -hmm. But you see, if you have a bank account, you can stop in every town and right. deposit it, and mm -hmm. then you're in good shape. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> I think our account is Wells Fargo. We're going to have to change that. I know. Everybody's saying that, right? We were just talking about that yesterday. It's like, out. Get out of Wells Fargo. Yeah. Oh, well, Jenny Conley, such a delight to talk to you as usual. Jenny Conley is a multi-instrumentalist and a member of the Decemberists. And thank you so much for being on The Future of What? Well, thanks, Portia, for having me. Grace Cathedral Hill All wrapped in bones of setting sun All dust and stone and Moribund. I paid 25 cents to light a little white candle For a New Year's Day I sat and watched it burn away Then turned and weaved through slow decay Twenty-five cents.
grace Cathedral Hill by the Decemberists. The Leading Ladies in Music Awards will be presented on November 4th in Portland. For tickets or to make a donation, visit girlsrockcamp.org. You're listening to The Future of What. We're talking to this year's Legends Award winner, Fabi Reyna. We're talking to Fabi Reyna, the editor of She Shreds magazine. Fabi, welcome back to The Future of What. Thanks for having me again. Well, this is an exciting occasion because you are being honored this year at yeah. the annual fundraiser event for the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. Indeed. You are going to be one of the two leading ladies along with Jenny Conley from the Decemberists. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Well, tell us about your history with Rock and Roll Camp for Girls because you're kind of a special person. Yeah, a special, special <laughs> human. Yeah, I have a long history with the Rock Camp. I guess to make the story short, I was raised all Mexico, Southern Texas, and then Austin eventually, but I started playing guitar in Austin at this camp called Natural Ear of Music. And there were a lot of like gender battles. Like I couldn't take the leads. I couldn't. There was at one point like this like boy cried because like I played something better than him. And then they gave him, it was like all weird. And so my mom, she was really active in putting me in camps and different sort of extracurricular activities. And so she saw the ad for the girls rock camp in Nylon magazine. And she was like, uh, we have to go to this. Let's do it. And I was like, you know, 13, like super rebellious. And I was like, I don't want to do this. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to play guitar anymore. But she she took me anyway. <laughs> she was like, well, we're doing it anyway. And we drove the summer of like, I don't know, when was I 13? Like t- 2005. I think I was 13 then. Yeah, we drove from Austin to Portland one summer and I like fell in love with it. I totally fell in love with it. And it was the first time I had really seen like community of women supporting women and a community of women telling history through the perspective of women and how women have impacted music and guitar and and being taught by women. And, And it totally blew my mind. I mean, at the time I was not a great, I was not going on a good path. Mm-hmm. I was definitely like the quintessential like rebel kid smoking pot behind the the garbage can or whatever, <laughs> you know, like skip school. And I had a lot of really great mentors that I sort of met with every year and I look forward to meeting with them. And, and inside from the ghosties we met that year and Marissa Anderson. And yeah, I, I, I started going every year and, and I met some of the most amazing people that I still am friends with now that I still play music with and now I get to sort of cover them in the magazine you know I, I would attribute um, at least 60% of why we exist to the girls rock camp wow yeah that's a really amazing story yeah <laughs> and that's perfect I mean I was I think what one of the special things about rock camp in Portland it's beside it being the original one is that yeah. this is 15 years now that it's been going on and so Crazy. people like you now exist right you know who actually went through the program and then did you do the the internship program too? I did the internship program as well. Yeah. I was pretty active from like 13 to 17. Mm-hmm. Started the magazine when I was like 19. Mm-hmm. But I also helped out with Girls Rock Camp in Austin and helped sort of start. Like I, I didn't help start it, but I gave a lot of insight as to like how the Portland Rock Camp worked and all of that. So I saw that grow from the ground up. And yeah, I was pretty involved with the Girls Rock Camp for those years and yeah, I, I really, like I said, I think it, it totally took me to a direction of, and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I love the story of your mom actually driving you to yeah. Portland. Where, did she stay here too? Yeah, she, she totally stayed here. And yeah, my mom is, is so is so amazing, you know, like 
there's so many things that growing up, like playing guitar or like going to the girls' rock camp or even studying classical guitar in high school that I didn't want to do. And my mom sort of made me do it or she just was like, you know, yeah, basically. And it just turned out to be this life-changing thing <laughs> always, you know. And if it wasn't for her, it, who knows? If it wasn't for her being so adamant about having arts in my life because she could just tell that that's something that I wanted to do. But for some reason, I was pushing it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how has camp changed at all? Has it changed at all since you started? I mean, when you go back now, do you see any differences or is it pretty much the same thing? Yeah, it's so different. I don't really go back. Mm. I think I'm one of those people that like sticks to like, I really like things to be a certain way. Like when I write a song, I'll write it in five minutes and I, and people are like, you should probably add this and do this and spend a month on it. And I'm like, no, I can't. I like it the way it is, you know? So I really loved the the community of the girls' rock camp during those years that it was on Columbia and, you know, the venue that they were at for like 10, 8, 10 years or something. It was so monumental to me. It was, I would go in there and it would just feel like so special. And I could, I remembered memories of meeting, you know, the first drummer that I played with, the first song I wrote, the first, all of these things. And it just doesn't feel the same, I guess, because mainly because of that, because the people teaching aren't the same, the the people running it and, you know, the faces aren't the same and uh, rooms aren't the same. Things are just a little bit different. Yeah. I always felt that way about like my, my high school, you mm-hmm. know, it's like I would go back and I'd see people and I'd be like, oh, it's just not the same. Like yeah. it's the same building, but it's not the same people. So it just felt different. Yeah. And also, you know, like going there, when I was younger, I went there with a, a purpose. You know, I went there kind of like camp, like really looking forward to seeing the people I had seen the year before. And now it's not quite like that. You know, I, I sort of, I see the people that I see every day right. in the music community. Yeah. So, um, and But I, I do wish I could go back and teach at some point. But when you're yeah. not so busy, when I'm, yeah, yeah, that that's probably when <laughs> the magazine is taking up a lot of your time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But no, I always will forever tell that story. And I, like I said, I really attribute the reason why we exist to the Girls Rock Camp. It's for fantastic. Sure. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Fabi Reina, yeah. for coming and joining us today. Totally. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. The Leading Ladies in Music Awards will be presented on November 4th in Portland. For tickets or to make a donation, visit girlsrockcamp.org. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Heavens to Betsy, Slater Kinney, The Decemberists, and of course our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstar.com slash the future of what. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rockstars. See you next week. Can I have a taste of your eye?